Good worship. Good singing. In the next couple weeks, I want to wait till we get into September because we're still in, you know, August and then even Labor Day weekend. I probably am going to wait till after that. But I just want to encourage you. There's God is moving in ways behind the scenes here in our ministry that only God could do. And there's just several exciting things that are happening that I want to share with the church body. And I think you'll be encouraged by what is happening and some of the things that that we want to share with you. And just some exciting things, too, that God has laid on our hearts, I think, to, to provide for our church family this fall that we're really excited about. So we're going to be letting you guys know about those in a couple weeks. Uh, and just also to share with you some of the ways that God is moving behind the scenes uh, that, that, again, only, only God could do it. And so we're just so grateful for that and excited and encouraged about that. Second John, verse 7. By the way, a little plug ahead of time. Three weeks from tonight, we're going to be starting a new series. Next week, we're going to uh, dive into Third John, and we're going to take, like we've done with Philemon and Second John, we're going to take two weeks in Third John. So three weeks from tonight, we start a new series, and this series is going to be a little bit of a challenge because of its length. But I think if people embrace it, I think if people hang in there. I think it's going to be a wonderful and powerful series because it's basically a series on the life of Christ. We're going to go through the entire gospel of Luke. So it's going to take us about half a year to get through the gospel of Luke. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I think every once in a while, as we move through the Bible, certainly we need to go to the Old Testament. We need to go to the. I think every once in a while we need to incorporate a gospel and get back to the life of Christ in our studies as well. So, three weeks from tonight, on September the 11th, we start a 26 week study in the Gospel of Luke. And again, just like all the studies that we do, each week can stand on its own. But I think if people avail themselves of these 26 studies, I think they'll have a pretty good handle uh, on a lot of stuff about the life of Christ. All right, Second John. We saw where John is, is a loving pastor who is writing to a church that he very much cares about. And last week, he talked to them about clarifying for a Christian, a follower of Christ, what does it mean to walk in truth? Well, one of the things John says it means is to love one another. And then he says, oh, and by the way, what is love? Well, love is obeying the commandments of God. And so he brings real clarity into things that sometimes can maybe be abstract to us, even as Christians. What is truth? Uh, What really is love? Uh, All those type of things. Now tonight, because he spent so much time in the early part of this letter talking about truth and the importance of truth and, and the idea that as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, 
everything we do needs to be governed and guided by God's truth, he builds upon that by saying, here's the reason why it's so important that we make truth and the and the accumulation, if you will, of truth, and the apprehension of truth, and the application of truth, such an important priority in our lives as Christians. Verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Very interestingly, the word deceiver here in the Greek language means wandering, roving. That's interesting. In other words, what John is saying is, the primary characteristic of these deceivers, he's not emphasizing necessarily the deception as much as he says they never stay in one place too long. Now think about that. That would be a good study question. Why do these deceivers not stay in one place too long? Okay? They wander. They rove around. Certainly they mislead others into error. And so we have to then begin with this concept. If John is saying many deceivers have gone out into the world, then we as Christians need to be aware of it and need to guard against the deception that's out there. I want to take you to a couple scriptures tonight. Uh, I'd like you to go back with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. It's not back too far. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In this passage, in the context, Paul is talking to Timothy again about a lot of the characteristics of the last days. And in verse 13, I want to pick it up in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Notice he even tells Timothy, evil people and charlatans, deceivers, will go from bad to worse. So deception in the world is not going to get better. False teaching is not going to die out. False teaching is only going to get worse. He goes on to say they deceive others and obviously they're self-deceived. They're being deceived themselves. But notice what Paul says to Timothy. You, however, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. What is it tonight that you have learned and are confident about? It's one of the antidotes, if you will, to deception and deceivers. You know who taught you and how from infancy you have known the holy writings which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. So notice in this context about deceivers going from bad to worse that Paul immediately then goes into the importance of Scripture and how we need to be grounded in Scripture and look to the Scriptures because it's only in us knowing the truth that God has revealed in the Scriptures are we able to combat all the deception and all the false teaching out there. Another Scripture I'd like you to go to. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. I want to stay here for a moment because this is such a great verse and such a great passage. Hebrews chapter 5, the last part of the chapter, 
Uh, I'm going to just dive into verse 14, but in the context, this sort of the thought begins in verse 11, where the writer of Hebrews is telling his audience that he really wanted to talk to them about some deeper spiritual truths, but he did not believe that they were able to handle it at this point because they've not really grown and matured and they haven't really focused on spiritual growth. And the reason I want to get to this verse is because this verse really is teaching us how we can be more discerning. And really when we talk about deception and the fact that there are deceivers who've gone out into the world, first, uh, or second John verse seven tonight, the way you and I as Christians then, uh, combat deception is through our discernment. Well, how do we become discerning? This passage gives us that. So notice, beginning in verse 14, Hebrews 5, he says, solid food is for the mature. The the word solid here means that which is strong, providing a firm foundation. That's what the word solid in the Greek language means. So he's saying, Christians need to be taking in strong food that provide a firm foundation for their life. For the mature. The word mature here means growing or progressing. But very interestingly, in the Greek language, it means to grow from the idea of completeness. Don't miss then that. That's very important. In other words, I'm growing from the idea, from the fact, from the truth that I already know I'm complete. In other words, I'm not spending my energy trying to get something else into my life because I think somehow I'm incomplete. In a sense, part of learning and growing and becoming more mature is learning that I'm complete in Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't need God to give me anything more than what He's already given me. I just need to appropriate what He's already given me and use what He's already given me. Going back to 2 Timothy 3, the Scriptures is everything that is in the Scriptures that I need to be fully equipped as a Christian. So I can't say to God at any point in my Christian life, well, God, if you would have given me this resource or that resource, God would look at us and say, I've given you everything you need. You just need to grow and progress from the idea that you are complete. And that's what it means to be mature. Whose perceptions are trained by practice. Let's stop there. The word perceptions mean spiritual senses to discriminate. In other words... God is saying here, as I grow and mature as a Christian, my spiritual senses that will help me to discriminate and distinguish between things will become heightened through my spiritual growth. Okay? Hang in there with me. But these spiritual senses, if you will, to discriminate have to be trained. Don't miss that. The word trained here means disciplined to exercise rigorously. So in other words, the author of Hebrews is making a very important point. Maturity, from a spiritual standpoint, isn't so much about what I know as much as it is how I'm using what I know. Because it's through practice It's through training of using my spiritual senses that I actually get more discerning so that I can discern 
By the way, the word discern here, both good and evil, means to see what is not evident. In other words, as I use what God gives me, Let me go back. I I need to make this simpler because I know I'm piling on a lot of stuff. As As we desire to grow, we start to obviously accumulate knowledge and information and truth from the Scriptures. I need to use that truth and that knowledge and all the information that God gives me every day. In whatever context it is, I've got to use what He's giving me, what I'm learning. Because if I don't use it, then I never become more discerning. Notice the author of Hebrews says, it's only through practice of using the biblical truth that I gain that I actually will become more discerning. So obviously that's why some Christians are more discerning than others, but you also notice that in this passage of Scripture, it is every Christian's responsibility to grow to be more discerning. And that's our responsibility. We have to take the truth that God gives us every day as we then work out, rigorously train, and, and put to use everything that we're Learning And by doing that over and over again, then in a sense, it becomes habitual. It becomes a practice. That's what the word practice means. A habit that becomes the norm in our life. And then that practice helps me to be more discerning, to see what is not evident, The word discern here in the Greek also means an insight that goes beyond what I've been given. That's what discernment is. So in other words, God understands this is supernatural stuff because God's going to give you and I the insight to be able to see things that others can't see or that's not just right in front of all of us to be able to see. It's also the ability to detect and distinguish issues clearly. So again, my senses go up. I hear something from somebody. My spiritual sense, as I use this every day, is going to either go, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches, or if nothing else, it goes, hmm... I don't know about that. I think I might have to look a little bit deeper and study that a little bit because that just doesn't, that doesn't sit. That, that doesn't, my spiritual sense isn't giving me a piece about what I'm hearing there. I need to dig a little deeper. And see, as we use that every day, we're going to get more and more able just because it becomes the norm of our life, the habit of our life, to put everything that comes at us through, in a sense, the strainer, if you will, of Scripture, of God's truth, so that we're able to be more discerning with everything that comes into our life. 
And good and evil here doesn't just mean obvious the obvious. You don't need to have discernment for obvious things. It's more talking in the context here about even false teaching and deception. And is this really what the Bible says? Was this really the intent of what God meant when he said this or not? And also we have to say that biblically speaking, there are even passages that say God wants us to be discerning as Christians, as Paul said in his prayer for the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, to be able to discern between what's good and what's better. Or what's better and what's best. Because sometimes you and I as Christians are going to be faced with a decision, not necessarily between something clearly right and something clearly wrong, but maybe two choices that at least initially are pretty good but i got to choose one what's the best one to choose see that's discernment and as i live my life every day that way through habit through practice through training that's what helps me that's what helps you become discerning the cool thing is all of us have the capacity to be absolutely discerning in spiritual matters. Because God wants every one of His children to grow in discernment as we grow spiritually in order to be able to separate and distinguish and differentiate and detect when things are right or they're not. Because obviously, it's going to negatively affect our lives if we don't and others around us. That's why at this church... We're going to focus on spiritual growth because we need discerning Christians more than we ever have. And so, Hebrews 5.14. So going back to 2 John. You guys are saying, I thought this was about 2 John. But when he says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Guys, that just made me stop and go, we need to talk about this. Because in order to combat deception we need to grow in discernment then he goes on to say in this context he wants to narrow it down and he says in this context what was bothering the church that he's writing to is these people specifically are getting it wrong about jesus christ they do not confess jesus as christ The word confess means to profess, to declare openly, even to agree with God or worship Jesus as Christ. In other words, obviously, they're denying that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. They are denying the deity of Christ. But notice, they also deny the incarnation or the humanity of Christ when he goes on to say, these people do not confess Jesus as Christ coming in the flesh, in bodily form. So in a sense, what John is saying is, here's the deal. The main thing I want you to be aware of is, what do they, what do they say about Jesus? What do they teach about Jesus? Do they believe that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man? That's what the Bible teaches. And if they teach anything less, notice what he says. This person is the deceiver. Now, this word deceiver means an imposter, a corrupter. 
And notice he goes on to say the Antichrist. Now, he doesn't mean the literal Antichrist because we know the Bible teaches that the Antichrist isn't coming until later. But what he is saying is that these people are coming in the spirit of Antichrist. And that word simply means an adversary of Jesus. That's what the word Antichrist means. They are an adversary of Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. John says to this group of people, you've had people infiltrate your church who were teaching other people that Jesus either wasn't fully God or fully man. And he says, your spiritual senses should have went up. And you as Christians have said, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not what God has revealed about his son. God has clearly revealed that Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. So notice the next part, verse 8. Watch out, he says to all Christians. By the way, these words watch out in the Greek mean to discern, to perceive. But beyond that, they also have another root meaning. It means to examine something or weigh it carefully. In other words, what John is teaching us here, what God is teaching us here, is our discernment starts with us pausing and stopping enough to examine and carefully weigh what is being said or what we're hearing. If we don't pause and carefully examine what is being said to us or what we're reading or what we're hearing then there's no way we're ever really going to be good discerners in being able to differentiate what is truth and what is error. So with that said, turn with me to a couple other passages tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21 Notice what Paul says here. Examine all things. Same thing that John is saying. Carefully weigh. Be a inspector. You know, those shows are popular. The crime dramas where they go into a crime scene and gather all the evidence and tear it all apart to figure out exactly what's happened. That's exactly the kind of mindset that God says we as Christians need in order to not be deceived. We need to examine all things. And then once we've carefully examined it, if we find that it's passed the test, then we hold fast to what's good. In other words, once we've passed it through scripture and we're giving it in a sense our stamp of approval then paul says then man grab a hold of that and cling to it because it's truth but make sure before you grab a hold of it that you have carefully examined it and put it through the scriptures and then go back to first john before we go back to second john first john Chapter 4, verse 1. 
John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The word test here was a term used to describe what blacksmiths would do. They would literally put metal under heat in order to test the genuineness, the reality of something. Is it really what it looks like, what it feels like? We're going to put it to the test and we're going to put it in the fire and see if it lasts. John says that's what every Christian needs to do with what we take in. Otherwise, we may find ourselves wrapping our arms around things that don't line up with Scripture, that aren't true. And then that will end up blowing our lives up at some point and blowing up other people's lives. I'm not going to get this exactly right, but especially since uh, Greg has the Spurgeon shirt on tonight, I'm going I'm to attempt to remember this quote from Spurgeon says something to the effect of, remember, Christians, that that which is false rides on the back of truth. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. Listen, Satan, false teachers, false prophets are not ever going to come at us on television, in books, in pulpits, wherever, and say to any of us, now, Listen to me, because I'm getting ready to teach you error. I'm going to tell you something that contradicts the Scriptures. They're never going to do that. They might even come at us with a lot of truth. But in that truth, they may mix in a little bit of error. And as I've said before, I've used this example over the years. You and I have a, a bottle at home that has a skull and crossbones on it, and it says poison. We're obviously going to avoid that. But if somebody secretly put a couple drops of poison into a gallon of milk, we would never know it. And yet, we would be very much harmed if we drank that milk. Because it's just a little bit of air, right? It's not going to hurt me. Yeah, it will. And this is why the Bible is teaching us about deception and discernment and being willing to test things that we hear. So back to John, 2 John. Watch out so that you do not lose the things we have worked for, but receive a full reward. Notice that John is sharing now an important truth with all Christians. First of all, one truth is God's going to reward us one day. That's what the Bible teaches. But John is saying to every Christian, be careful, because if you and I embrace that which is not true, we could end up losing part of what we've worked for. Part of our reward could be lost in embracing false doctrine. Notice he doesn't say we're going to lose our salvation. He says, but we are capable, when we embrace false doctrine and false teaching, of losing our full reward. Not all of it, but some of it, you see. Even though we may have at one time been very committed and diligent, and there was a time in our life where we tested the things that we heard, 
Maybe we've come into a season of life where we've been a little less diligent and a little less discerning. And we've allowed things into our life that really don't line up with Scripture. Now, obviously, in this context, again, John is specifically talking about what people think about Jesus. But obviously, we know false doctrine is false doctrine. It's all dangerous. John is just using the example of what these people taught about Jesus Christ. So that's why we've got to be careful. I know I want a full reward. I would think you would want a full reward. So that means we've got to be aware of false doctrine and false teaching and take these scriptures just that we've seen tonight to heart and decide, I want to be more discerning and I want to take everything that I'm learning and growing and all of that and I want to use it every day so that in practice, my spiritual senses can be heightened so that I can be a more discerning Christian to be able to separate, distinguish and detect all that's being thrown at me out there, especially in this age of information overload. So notice verse 9. John says, Everyone who goes on ahead, the words mean further or beyond, and does not remain in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. John's playing off the fact that these false teachers are coming in and basically selling the Christians in this church with this bill of goods. Look, I got a deeper knowledge I've got, I've got a, I got a revelation that you haven't got yet. And if you just follow me, I'll be able to take you to depths that, that the teaching you've already gotten can't take you to. And that's where many times throughout history, Christians have been susceptible because they're looking for something new rather than realizing what I've already got from God is all I need. That's why Paul said to the Colossians, you are complete in Jesus Christ. If I've got Jesus Christ in my life, what more do I need than Jesus Christ and all that he brings? Nothing. But you're always going to have false teachers out there who are trying to get it, gain a following for themselves who are going to even maybe say, hey, it's great that you've got Jesus, but let me tell you about something else. Because probably, you know, you're probably not satisfied with where you are at, right? You're probably not full of joy and happy all the time. So let me share with you a secret of how you can be happy and fulfilled and satisfied all the time. And the only reason probably we're not at that point is simply because we're not being obedient. We're not, we're not doing the things that we should already be doing. So then we get duped into following something or someone that's offering us something new. And especially when it comes to Christ, he says, if they go beyond what the Bible has said about the teaching of Christ, then they don't have God. Can't get any more plainer than that. See, because these false teachers in John's day were saying, look, you can have God apart from Jesus. And John is saying, uh, if you don't get it right about Jesus Christ, you don't have God. The only way to have God is to get it right about Jesus Christ. You don't believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man and everything that God has revealed about Jesus, you don't have God. So he says, the one who remains in this teaching, who abides, 
who, who waits for the teaching of Christ in their life has both the Father and the Son. You see. We don't need to go beyond what the Bible has said about Jesus. We don't need to go beyond into anything else. Everything we have here is all that we need. So then, in verse 10, we'll wrap this up in just a moment. He wants to give them some real practical application here. Because he wants them to understand. I know I told you earlier that we're to love each other. But he said, remember something. The expression of our love has to have boundaries. The expression of our love has to have, be governed by and guided by truth. So even though there are going to be some people who look at what you do and how you handle these situations and would deem you as being unloving, you've got to understand because you're standing up for the truth that you're actually being very loving. When he says in verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, in this context, the teaching of Christ that's correct about Christ, Do not receive him into your house, nor give him any greeting. Don't allow yourself, don't allow him access to you or her. Don't invite them in. Do not affirm or validate or encourage their ministry at all. Because their ministry is full of error that is destroying people's lives by going out into the world and telling people that they can have a relationship with God and they can have abundant life apart from Jesus Christ. And John is saying there is no way that can be. So therefore, any encouragement, any validation, any affirmation, any foothold that we give them, notice he goes on to say, then that person who gives him a greeting, who affirms or validates their ministry in any way, actually shares in their evil deeds. Wow. Very interestingly, the word share here means to become a partner, and it's a very familiar word in the Greek language to many of you. It's the word koinonia, which also means what? Fellowship or communion. Think about that. He's saying here that when you affirm or validate the ministry of destructive heresy, of untruth in any way as a Christian, you are entering into communion and fellowship with them. In a sense, what he's saying is you're helping them destroy other people's lives. And he says, in no way is that being loving. No way. Now, I do want to stop for a second and say this. And I'll wrap it up in just a moment. I don't think in any way this passage is teaching us as Christians that if we get an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who's sharing false teaching and false doctrine, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because... They need to hear the gospel and they need to accept Jesus Christ in order to be saved. But I think all I would say or that the Bible would say is if you're going to enter into a witnessing opportunity with people like this, be very, very, very careful. 
because I've also known very well-meaning Christians who've gotten sucked into beginning to question their own faith by trying to reach somebody who doesn't believe in what they believe. So be cautious, be careful. But certainly, it's very clear that God does not want us to affirm or validate or help or encourage their ministry in any way. We, according to John, must decisively deal with error. We can't, we can't be indecisive about how we deal with things that don't line up with the truth of what God has said. I want to share with you a quote from one of my spiritual heroes. How many of you in here, if I say the name Francis Schaeffer, know who I'm talking about? Okay. If you've never read any books by Francis Schaeffer, I would encourage you to do so. If you like C.S. Lewis and you've heard of C.S. Lewis, you will love Francis Schaeffer. I actually had the opportunity to meet Francis Schaeffer, talk to him. He actually was my graduation speaker a few months before he passed away. And I just have been so impacted by his writings uh, over the years. In his last book, The Great Evangelical Disaster, Francis Schaeffer wrote that evangelicals of our generation would accommodate truth to fit the culture of our generation, thus subverting our own beliefs. Let me repeat that. Francis Schaeffer wrote that evangelicals of our generation would accommodate truth to fit the culture of our generation, thus subverting our own beliefs. And can I tell you, he was right. That is exactly what's happening in our society today, in Christianity today, in the church today. We are caving little by little to the morality and perspective and value system of our culture rather than being the light and the salt that Jesus Christ called us to be. On a happier note, let's end in verse 12 and 13 because John gives us a great thought here. Remember, John was really close with Jesus, the guy that leaned on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. I think they had a a close relationship. And John wants to impress upon us here, I think, how important Christian fellowship and relationships are with brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice what he says as he ends this then, this tough letter in verses 12 and 13. He says, Though I have many other things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come visit you and speak face to face. Wow. We need that face-to-face time. I mean, I know we live in the world where we can email and text and all that and keep, but there's something about face-to-face fellowship that just rises above anything else. So that, notice this, our joy may be complete. 
I love that. What John, I think, is saying is that our joy can only truly be realized and experienced through fellowship with other believers. That's why John wants to come and fellowship with them face to face so that our joy can be complete. In other words, he's simply saying there's something in the dynamic of Christians getting together and truly loving and fellowshipping and connecting with each other that brings a joy to our lives that nothing else can. And John says, I want to come and fellowship with you all so that our joy can be complete. And then he says, the children of your elect sister, I think a fellow church, greets you. If there's one thing, folks, that I would like you to take away from tonight, it is simply this. I think in John talking to all of us here in this letter about deception tonight, it reminds me of how important it is that we first stay into the Word of God and that we use everything that God is teaching us as often as we possibly can so that as the writer of Hebrews says, our, our senses, our perceptions are being trained every day so that our discernment spiritually is being heightened. So that we can detect, differentiate, distinguish between what's false and what's true. So that we are not caught up in the unbelievable amount of deception and false teaching that is out there today. And it's everywhere. It's in our churches it's in our Christian bookstores and books. It's on our television stations, even on Christian TV. I mean, everywhere I turn, everything I see, I'm, I'm finding something that I go, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what the Scriptures say. And yet, here's one of the odd places I've found myself in as a pastor over the years. I'll have a Christian run up to me with, say, a book in their hand and go, Pastor... This book is awesome. And I'll see the title and go, oh. And I'm trying to hide my like, oh, you, you think that's awesome, huh? Okay, well, we're going to have to talk about that because that's got a lot of bad doctrine in it, you know. But again, we're all in that hopefully growth track in our life. And God says, if we will just commit ourselves to growing and saturating our minds in the Word of God, that discernment will come. And we'll be able to be better at distinguishing and detecting and differentiating what's out there today. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us and, and wanting to give us discernment. Lord, I remember even the story of Solomon, who when he had the opportunity to ask you for something, he asked you for a discerning mind in order to be able to distinguish in ruling the people of Israel. And I remember that it says in your word that that saying pleased you, that, that you loved the fact that out of everything that Solomon could have asked for as a leader of your people, that he asked for discernment. So God, we know from your word how highly valued you think discernment is. God, may we, from this passage of Scripture tonight and others, also begin to truly value becoming a discerning Christian. 
and recognize how important it is, especially in the world in which we live, to grow in our discernment and to use the things that we're learning every day so that we can exercise and practice with what we have so that we can become even more attuned to distinguishing and detecting things. God, we want to be a people that truly have that spiritual discernment. And God, help us to truly encourage others along that path as well. To share good books and good teaching and good doctrine with them. And to help them to see the importance of growing in discernment as well. Take us home safely tonight, Lord, and give us a great week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. See you Sunday.